0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to the Roy Green Show ad free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Sylvain Charlebois, director of AgriFoods, the Analytics Laboratory, and professor at Dalhousie University, and Dan McTagg, former Liberal MP and president and founder of Canadians for Affordable Energy, because U.S. inflation numbers hit a new forty-year high in May at eight point six percent. Meanwhile, U.S. food inflation. Professor Charlebois reported, also at a 40-year high at 10.1%, while the cost of groceries was up nearly 12%, and now Health Canada is requiring new labeling and nutrition symbol for ground meat because it's high in unsaturated fats. So um, Professor Charlebois says 50% of meat sold in Canada is ground meat. So why is Health Canada taking this decision at this time? I wonder... I wonder whether it might have something to do with the fact that beef isn't uh, agreeable with Mr. Trudeau's view of climate. I wonder. The price of gasoline and diesel, the cost of natural gas, the cost of electricity. Will we face heating our homes challenges this winter, or is that just a scare tactic? Uh, we're going to play back for you a little later on what uh, Thierry Bro told us yesterday. The former director of energy supply for France about what they're expecting in Europe. We'll get that back for you in a little while, so let me see. Hello to uh, fighter pilots, uh, Sylvain Charlebois and Dan McTague. Sylvain, how are you?
1: (laughs) Good, how are you?
0: (laughs) Great. Uh, Have you seen the movie? probably
1: something you don't know about me. Uh, In 1985, when the first Top Gun movie came out, uh, I was 15 years old, and uh, that movie got me to enroll in the Armed Forces.
0: Oh, no kidding.
1: Yeah. I became an air navigator and uh, graduated from RMC back in 1992. There you well, go.
0: thank you for your service. What planes were you on? Well, I
1: was, you I was a navigator. I wasn't a pilot, so I actually flew on the, uh, on the Great Sea King on the East Coast, the Aurora out of uh, Greenwood, Nova Scotia, and uh, the C-130 Hercules uh, based out of both uh, Trenton and CFB Edmonton.
0: Well, that's a great story, and I'm glad you survived the Sea King.
1: unfortunately not everyone did Uh, it was a very old aircraft when i was uh in the service so can you imagine now it's incredible
0: yeah it was an old aircraft when you were 15. dan mctaig sorry go ahead that.
1: yeah no i was 15 but of course i I started uh, i joined the service uh, two years later but top gun really affected me and uh yeah i, I remember that that summer all, every kid wanted to be a fighter pilot for
0: sure for sure and this one i think this one's even better than the original so i won't tell you any more than that i don't know if you've seen it dan mctagg what's your military history what do we know about you <laughs>
2: 172 squadron uh avenue road i don't think it's there anymore i joined the air cadets but that was uh, a good time before top gun and uh long before uh, sylvain's service um Got to actually uh, sit in a glider, um, fly one around, learn how to make some out of balsa wood, do a bunch of fun stuff. But uh, it wasn't to be my uh, my career. And uh, I think some other people think that uh, when I went to politics, it might have been a little closer to being a space cadet. But <laughs> nevertheless, <laughs> uh, what actually happened is the uh, interest in, uh, in 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 air uh, was really uh, it really ended for me when I went to high school and. Uh, Thought maybe uh, there might be a better future for me in uh, in veterinarian services. So that's kind of where I wanted to go, but uh, didn't wind up
0: there. So as you can tell, okay. well, I was an ordinary seaman standard, which was the lowest rank in the Royal Canadian Naval Reserve, at H M C S Donnacona in Montreal, and then uh, after that, long after that, they made me an honorary lieutenant colonel um, in the army, and I resigned that honorary commission over the way the federal government treated the crew of H M C S Chicoutimi, the submarine after it caught on fire, so I very publicly resigned that. It uh, it worked out very well. So I'm having some, I just want to tell the studio, I'm having some issues with my uh, phone uh, screen, so you're going to have to handle it for me for a little bit. Gentlemen, let me start with you. Uh, bo- Let's start with this with both of you. Neither beef nor many foods, nor oil, nor natural gas should be in short supply in this country. They should, based on Canada's resources, I think be fully available and reasonably priced for Canadians. If there is a problem, is the problem the government and the way the government is dealing with both food and with natural gas and energy? Uh, So now let me start with you on the food issue.
1: Yeah, so um, in terms of uh, of food production, uh, farmers are really uh, struggling, of course, because of higher input costs. I've heard uh, from many farmers actually around the country uh, basically saying that they've uh, they've had some issues uh, not only uh, paying for fertilizers, but they actually uh, are having trouble uh, having access to fertilizers. And, of course, we all know what's going on with fuel costs. Uh, so a lot of farmers are motivated to put anything in the ground, of course, uh, but uh, small-scale farmers... Probably outside the prairies, uh, some of them have actually decided to remain idle, uh, not to grow anything, just because with Mother Nature you never know if uh, if you're struck by a drought in the middle of summer you have nothing to sell. Well, you got all this money in the ground. It's hard to to actually uh, run a profit. So that's it's been a hard year so far for farmers, and 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 most of them are risking quite a bit.
0: Yeah. And uh, I think I have an idea of what you're going to say to me, but uh, just for the sake of our listeners and where we are today in the national scene, on the international scene, when it comes to the issue of energy resources, how much is the federal government of this country, there may be other governments as well, how uh, involved are they in areas they, let me rephrase the question from the way I usually do it, how involved are they in areas they shouldn't be involved in?
2: Well, they shouldn't be involved in killing pipelines, natural gas and oil, um, nor tolerating those who are, you know, uh, standing in the way of their uh, their building. Um, you know, it's interesting, Roy, that why we haven't been able to get more than one pipeline rebuilt. The Americans have gone another way up until the Biden administration came in and uh, built uh, 172 of them. Now, not all in the same capacity, but it goes to show you that. Uh, uh, when you don't have the ability to uh, provide to the rest of the world that which they now clearly desperately need not only are you doing injury to and creating you know uncertainty about our ability to get our product to market it's it's also having a, a a damaging effect and and repercussions well beyond fuel when it comes to things like for instance the value of the canadian dollar now you know a lot of people say there's a whole host of reasons for that and i I've seen them all, but the one that often gets ignored is the fact that uh, when you've got nothing interesting, the rest of the world wants to buy, including most importantly, your number one and two exports like natural gas and oil. You can imagine uh, the, the damage that has on, uh, on the purchasing power of every Canadian.
0: Okay. Just before I take a break here, I want to ask you each uh, one more question, and then when we come back, we're going to do something a little differently. So now let me start with the food inflation. It's at a 40-year high the impact on uh, the cost of food uh, what is it and how does the food industry react to and or perhaps prepare production with this inflationary trend and rising interest rates
1: yeah so uh, we got numbers from the us uh, this week so uh, 12% at the grocery store that that is huge and so obviously in two weeks, when we get numbers from StatsCan for the month of May, we are expecting a higher number than 9.7%, which is what we got for for April. And uh, so, yes, as consumers, we're all we're all impacted by by these numbers. But what what most people don't know is that it's putting a lot of pressure on the in on the food system uh, within the supply chain. A lot of companies are just not agreeing on who's going to be paying what, because it's happening so violently fast that uh, renegotiating prices it's been very difficult typically you know vendors would commit to a price list of six months at least not anymore because <laughs> the needle is moving so so quickly nobody's committing to anything and so that's why we saw the stop sale between frito lay and loblaws a few months ago uh, there are several stop sales going on right now so if you go at the grocery store and you see some empty shelves it's not necessarily because we're running out of something It's just because right now the supply chain is under tremendous pressure and a lot of companies are are trying to the the best uh they're trying to cope with with the pressures that that inflation is is putting on them
0: let me get at this one with you dan and yesterday professor thierry bro was on with us former director of energy supply for france and he told us that europe is going to face blackouts this winter he also said government policies all of them not just one are incoherent and that politicians didn't tell people the truth about the challenges of switching to renewables because they feared social unrest and feared losing elections. Here's a little of what he said.
1: Some of this Russian gas is not replaceable. As I said, 40% has been replaced by the market. Another uh, 40% uh, could be replaced, but the last few percent, the last 20%, 30%, cannot be replaced. And so, therefore, if he cuts completely, we are in blackouts. And even if he doesn't cut completely, we are in a very difficult position because we didn't plan this ahead.
0: So there's Terry Bro. He's the guy again, Dan who was in charge of energy supply for the entire nation of France. He was the director, and he's worried about blackouts this winter. We're not in Canada. At least, I don't think we are. But what is your sense about how governments has handled And he said incoherent policies didn't want to tell people about the challenges of going to renewables because they feared social unrest and losing elections. What do you see here?
1: Well, look,
2: I think if we're heading towards net zero, which includes 80% electrification, we may very well be replicating that. Not that we have the money to get there. I mean, when you talk about uh, the need for the build-out to get to that point, not to mention the risks, which many of us saw when a storm comes through and knocks down a few uh, thousand uh, hydropoles. I think what's happened here is that uh, in Canada, uh, while the world is changing rapidly in view of the fact that we have diminished the significance of fossil fuels, Not only has it led to much higher prices uh, and shortages, as Mr. Breaux is suggesting, it is, uh, as the expert you have here, so then will point out, uh, creating unintended consequences as far as, uh, you know, as far as food is concerned. We can have this big debate about uh, renewables and energy and fossil fuel versus non-fossil fuel and climate change and everything. But I think the argument or the discussion, the debate ends rapidly and radically once you start messing around with the ability for people to uh, make ends meet and to get the food that they
0: need to make ends meet. Speaking of climate, by the way, next half hour, Bjorn Lomborg is going to be our guest. Professor Lomborg will be back. So uh, government actions, and, and you and I have talked about this when you've been a guest on this program. We've talked about the federal government not really seeming to favor the agricultural sector, and in the last federal budget, there wasn't anything specifically about The agri-sector, they were bits and pieces, as you said, in the budget, but there wasn't a section about it. Now, you've tweeted about Health Canada forcing labeling on ground meat and doing so very suddenly, and you tweeted this morning, here's the quote, when the mighty state makes dietary decisions for its population, which often undermine long-standing traditions, that's when you're in trouble. Can you expand on that for us?
1: Well, basically... What uh, Health Canada wants to do is uh, it wants to tell Canadians that ground meat is, is dangerous, <laughs> is unhealthy, which is not necessarily true. Um, so I, I think we're about 10 days away from seeing Health Canada making an announcement about front-of-package labeling. But the, the food industry, most people are, are agreeable to, to the policy. I, I think uh, the, spirit, the spirit behind the policy is to actually get processed foods uh to change formulas, to become uh, healthier, I guess. Uh, but uh, when you look at what's happening with the exemption list, yeah, so dairy is exempt, but not ground meat, and, and so which would make Canada the first country in the world not to exempt a single ingredient product, which is ground meat. And, of course, when you look at Health Canada's threshold, they look at products when they're raw. But of course, when you think about ground beef or ground pork, very rarely Canadians would actually eat these products raw. Once you cook them, uh, they those products would be in compliance with uh, with uh, Health Canada's threshold of 15%. Uh, so that's it's quite concerning, and and again, it it really it, it really has become a head scratcher, and you have to wonder whether or not this is driven by uh, ideologies or Perhaps Helceta just wants to ban the product altogether because food retailers will not sell a product with a huge label telling uh, their customers that this product is bad for them. They'll just, they'll just exclude them. They won't carry the product. They'll just carry extra lean products, which, of course, is way more expensive. And, and so a policy like this could actually push meat prices even higher than they are now.
0: Oh. Good. If if you don't like this idea, ladies and gentlemen, you can uh, complain to don'tlabelmybeef.ca. Don'tlabelmybeef.ca. So, Charlebois I also had that on his Twitter feed at uh, food, the Food Professor. Uh, Dan, final question for you, and we have uh, just about a minute. The uh, where we stand, where we are, as far as gasoline pricing is concerned. You tweeted this morning that in Vancouver, gasoline today two thirty three point nine a liter. Eighty-one cents of that is tax. Where are we going?
2: Well, we're going higher. Uh, Oil is going to one hundred and forty dollars a barrel, Brent, um, and uh, that would mean another fifteen to twenty cents a liter. Uh, that's not an average, but that's certainly the high end of what we could expect. Uh, diesel will follow the same. It's going to be a very expensive, if not impossible, summer for most. And. Uh, I can only imagine that uh, natural gas and propane, important for farming, important for manufacturing, important for transportation in this country, won't be very far behind. So uh, the summer of our discontent is now at hand.
0: If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green.